No. It's nuts. Even torturing you is boring. This is the small council. Alrighty, welcome back to another episode of Small Council Radio. So, this episode has been uh, been delayed quite a few times. A lot of things come up uh, the last like five or seven days, however long it's been now. Um, so, we're uh, going to be talking about the new Renly Hero Box. It has definitely been pretty controversial. Um, so we're going to try to cover it the best we can tonight. I have on with me, uh, Spencer. He is currently having a couple issues trying to log in via, um, computer. So he's just going to call in, uh, that way we can just get started. Um, but yeah, this box has definitely been pretty controversial. A lot of people don't like this hero box. Um. I would say I'm somewhere in the middle. Uh, I definitely don't think it's the worst thing to ever exist. don't think it's amazing. Um, I think it's usable, uh, but we'll definitely go over all of that. Um, but with that said, i uh, kind of do some of the shout-outs ahead of time, as I usually do. Uh, we, uh, you know, we do our show on a ton of different platforms. Uh, any platform that uh, that we're not on that you would like to see us on, just uh, let us know. We'll try to mirror our content over there. Um, but currently we're on like nine different uh, um, platforms. You can check them all out in the description. Uh, we do our show live on Blog Talk Radio. Um, you can always call in if you want to chat. Uh, you know, no one, don't feel like you have to, you know, be someone of note. You could just be anyone if you want to call in and give us your thoughts on the topic that we're, uh, that we're talking about. Um, you know, and we'd be glad to have you. That's why we do it the way we do it. We do it so that, uh, those of the community can kind of, you know, feel like they're a part of the show. Uh, I know we kind of do our shows a bit sporadic, and I, I understand that that's kind of sometimes can, uh, you know, lessen the ability to call in live. But always know that that is an option. Um, Tuesday nights uh, with Cyrus uh, is fairly consistent. Um, so definitely uh, keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, uh, any... Other shout-outs I'd like to give is just the other content creators. Um, uh, A Song of Ice and Fire Stats, uh, you know, they do some amazing work. Um, You know, they do uh, Tourney Ground every Monday, amazing content. Uh, I believe just about as long-running as us. I don't don't remember who started first. Um, It doesn't really matter. You know, I think consistency is the – so, um, you know, Shout out to those guys. You know, they do an awesome job. Uh, And then Sunday Slaughter does some amazing battle reports. Check those out. And then, uh, you know, 
just uh, try to show show them uh, some support. You know, give them a like or subscribe or whatever the case may be on whatever platform they're on. So, with that said, we're you know doing more of a of a later episode. So we're going to kind of jump right into it. Uh, on uh, like I had mentioned, on with me, I have Spencer. Uh, thank you so much for joining me for this one. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I know it's it's been a while. Um, I know with uh, your schedule, it kind of only leaves Fridays as the good day for us to do a show because uh, you work Monday through Thursday, and then you know we're usually super. You know, both me and you are super busy on the weekends, so um, kind of just leaves Friday. But it's nice to kind of have some uh, Baratheons to talk about. Yeah, it's kind of been a while since we've seen anything new for Baratheons other than these two boxes spoiling. Yep. Um, and it's unfortunate that most all the stuff always has to get spoiled rather than revealed. Uh, and I know some people would argue, well, they bought the product, so it's not a spoil. I think if it's only released in, like, one country and the rest of the world hasn't gotten it and it wasn't, like, shown by an official channel, I just count that as leaked. I know that some, some may think that's semantics, uh, but... You know, that's why you might hear me use that uh, term a lot, you know, when I say leaked. Um, I know it kind of has, like, this a bit of, like, negative, like, stigma to the word. But, you know, it's just, it is what it is. So, um, I was just mentioning before you got on that uh, I'm kind of in the middle of the road for this box. I think, uh, I don't think it's the worst thing to ever exist. Definitely nowhere near the best thing to ever exist, but I, you know, as always, I'm optimistic. Um, I, you know, it's just kind of how I am. It's hard for me to not be optimistic for most things. Um, but uh, what's your general take, like just super general take on this box? So for the most part, I'm in the same situation where there's there's things I do like about it. There's things I'm excited to just try. I don't know how good they'll be, but I'm excited to try and play with new and things. On the whole, I think if you were looking competitively, I don't know if this brings a lot competitively, but it still could be fun to play. And since I'm not as big of a heavy competitive player, I'm excited to play with this stuff. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think there's definitely two different realms, you know, especially with new product. I think I think with new product, if you look at it as a competitive player and already know it's going to be amazing and in your list and this and that, I think something went wrong. Now, I guess you can make the argument for the opposite of that. If you look at it and you're like, man, this is so bad that I would never even want to try it. Then again, I don't know. I think I feel like the gamer in most of us would be like, I'm going to give everything a try, no matter what, all the time. You know, if it performs really bad, I may only give it a, a handful of you know tries. But uh, I think when you can kind of look at something and kind of go like, all right, you know, maybe, and then you know you start playing with it, and you know you might even find out that oh, you know, it's not that great, but I enjoy the combo and the little quirk, you know, like reactions that um, that happen uh, with with those uh, combinations. So, Reaction is uh, 
the key word with Baratheon. That's kind of what we do. Yeah. <laughs> so with that said, I'm going to jump right into the attachments, uh, mainly because usually we do the commanders last and, with, uh, and because the unit and the commander are the most controversial part of this whole box. Um, so we'll save the best for last. So with that said, uh, let me just click into these images real quick. All right, so first one, these images are just slightly out of order. The first one we'll talk about, though, is uh, Parman Crane. Um, you'll have to correct me, Spence, if uh, I pronounce any of these weirdos uh, wrong. Um, so Parman Crane is a one-point attachment. Uh, keep in mind, all of these uh, Rainbow Guard have the rule that obviously they can't be included if they're uh, if the Rainbow, Rainbow Guard unit is taken. Uh, he is one point. He is the the purple uh, knight. He gives Rally Cry uh, for one point. So each time this unit performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, target one other friendly unit in long range. It restores two wounds. Now, uh, I'll start off with this one because this one for me is pretty easy. Uh, I like it a lot. I think the only downside to him is the fact that it really comes down to your list. So say, for example, if you have a cavalry unit, I would hands down take uh, the Glory Seeker for Rally Cry on my cav unit way before I would ever take him. And that's just because the cavalry unit is more mobile. You can get around the fields. You can really put that rally cry where you need it, or especially if it's with a, a more durable cav like the Champions of Stag. Um, that way you can kind of ensure that that attachment's going to live. Um, but otherwise, uh, rally cry is a great ability. I think uh, uh, especially for the fact that it's not an order, and if you put this guy in a unit that's wanting to attack, um, and can get, you know, two to four uh, wounds around. Um, I don't know, Do is there anything in the Runly side that gets free attacks um, that you could there combo are. with this? Because I know that, what was that? I was going to say, the one thing I can think of, uh, no, it wouldn't work, actually. I was thinking Lord Paramount has a counter charge, but it's only for him, so that wouldn't work because he wouldn't be in that unit. Gotcha. Yeah, because so, everything else that uh, gives you, like, free attacks is, uh, like, already an attachment. Issue command with Penrose attachment or commander would allow another unit to do a free attack, so you could get a second one that way. Okay. So, yeah, so you could get upwards of six wounds from this from this attachment. So, again, I think it really comes down to if you have a cavalry attachment, um, or a cavalry unit, because I would just easily take the Glory Seeker. Um, but otherwise, um, I really like uh, this guy for one point. What do you think? Uh, I would argue he's probably the best and most efficient out of these attachments we're going to talk about. Uh, if you want to be cheap, putting them in mercs. Now, I don't think you really want mercs in combat, though, because they're still not going to do any damage. So my thoughts have been three other units. Uh, you can do the High Guard Pikemen because you want them to be especially charging to hit with the uh, extra hit on the charge and then stealing something else. And they already have an inbuilt heal so they can kind of stick around a little while. 
Uh, you could put him in Sentinels. Sentinels also are okay for durability. Their damage isn't quite there, but uh, they're still six points, so he'd make my seven-point unit. That's okay. Uh, and then the other one would be like Thornwalker. You go, okay, I'm going to hit you, heal two to something else, retreat, and heal myself. Some pretty good combos I think you could have fun with. How competitive it is, it is hard to say, though. Yeah. Um, uh, what was that last unit? Sorry, uh, someone was messaging that you mentioned. I was saying uh, the Thornwalk because they can attack with a melee. Okay, yeah. Heal two, two to another unit with uh, with Crane's ability of Rally Cry. Then they have Twist Strike to retreat, and then when they retreat, they regroup and heal themselves as well. Yep. Uh, that's why I asked because that was the unit I was going to suggest because uh, it. Um, what should I call it? Uh, yeah, the rally cry attack and then the retreat for healing. Like it could be, it could get pretty wonky, but uh, I think it would be really good. Um, so next up, uh, so yeah, I, I agree. I think this is easily the best thing in the box, which you know some would might say that that's kind of sad, um, but I'm talking from a pure like competitive standpoint. Best thing in the box as far as if you count like the, you know, the cool factor or this or that, uh, definitely not. But as far as like straight up competitive ability per point cost, uh, I think it is. Um, so next up, uh, we have Bryce uh, Karen. Uh, he's the orange knight. He gives the, for uh, tech one point, he gives the order Taunt. Uh, when an enemy in short range activates, if that enemy can charge this unit, it performs one morale test with minus one to their roll for each remaining rank in this unit. On a failure, it performs one charge action on this unit. This is their action for the turn. Uh, I'll let you take this one away because i got to um, respond to Craig real quick. So this one, I'm a little confused as to, like, this ability actually feels to me Baratheon, but it doesn't work in practice, in my opinion. Uh, I'm not sure where it's intended to, to work. Uh, the idea is I've had is if you wanted to kind of stay cheap since he is a point, you could put him in something like Wardens. They're still a pretty durable unit. You're still fairly cheap at six points taunting enemies away from objectives so that they're not, you know, effectively scoring points. Could be worth it. Uh, I know some people have Rose Knights. I think the Rose Knights at that point are just too expensive. They're not bringing any, enough value to be taunting enemies away from you. And if that's what you have to do to get value out of your Rose Knights, because I know most opponents just ignore the Rose Knights in the first place, yes, this would make your opponent have to attack them, but you're an eight-point unit to get that effect. I feel that's not really worth it competitively. If that's what you want to have fun with, though, obviously knock yourself out. Uh, and then if you were going to go into neutrals, I could think maybe Bloody Mum or Skirmishers because you have the minus uh, disrupt for minus one to hit and counter strike to do hits. So you're trying to make them hurt themselves while charging you. And you still could use the tactical abilities of pulling them off objectives uh, with care, you know, careful positioning you can do so. Uh, pulling them over terrain that they don't want to, maybe if there's stakes on the field. Uh, there's some tactical things you can do with it, 
but for the most part, I would say if you're looking competitively, you're leaving this guy at home. Yeah, I would agree. Um, that's, you know, Taunt has so much, um, like, so much possibilities, especially if you're playing in a group or tournament that allows you to pick your terrain and you can, like, guarantee things like stakes. Um, but uh, personally, yeah, often... Go ahead. So, personally, I, the problem I have with Taunt is I think it's too limited with the short range. It's, you have to be basically right in their face already to taunt them. It, I think if it were extended to long range, you could have a whole lot more tactical flexibility with the ability. And that's the problem. Is you don't see it really much except for on, like, uh, Send Warriors because they have it built into their kit already. Yep, so I when, agree. Whenever, whenever it costs... Yeah, so whenever it costs points to add it, you're just like, that. it's too limited of an ability to, to use. Yep, that's exactly what I was going to say, is that, you know, paying for this ability, you know, you, I don't, I can't remember the last time I saw someone actually pay for this ability other than uh, Tyler, uh, my nephew, who plays Night's Watch. He loves just running, uh, I think it's Gren who has it. He loves just running them in... Um, in the Thorn Watch uh, uh, for that to trigger his the set for charge. The uh, Shadow Tower. Yeah, the, sh the Shadow Tower, yep. But other than that, like, one instance on one person, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen someone actually pay for Taunt. Um, you know, I see it with, obviously, Thens all the time because, like you said, it's built in. So it's, you know, okay, cool, Taunt built in. You know, because thens are good enough that if you just took taunt away, <laughs> they would still be taken, like, with no issue. Taunt is just kind of like icing on the cake. It's not why thens are taken. So, yeah, I like the, the idea behind taunt. Uh, it'd be cool if he had another ability, like... Uh, I think it'd be really interesting of a of an attachment if it was like uh, taunt and then gave um, unyielding for one point because now you're taunting them into your unit that has a small uh, buff and then but the buff is opposite of the ability meaning that um, it, taunt's going to be more effective with more of your ranks remaining but unyielding is more effective when you have less ranks remaining which would kind of justify having the two abilities, one point. I'm not saying it's some amazing thing, but I think uh, I think it'd be something that, uh, you know, some Baratheon players might want to uh, try out. Um, I think unyielding is, uh, it's not amazing, but I think it's definitely overlooked sometimes. So, yeah, so that is Bryce the Orange. Next up, we have Brienne. Uh, you would assume Brienne was Brienne the Blue, but I don't know. They decided to use that name already, so they had to call her Brienne the Rainbow Guard. <laughs> um, so she is one point, and she gives Battle Scars. Um, uh, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about it. Uh, Battle Scars is the ability that after this unit's attacked, place an order on them, or on her unit. Uh, and then this unit's mail attacks gain the following based on the number, number of order tokens. Uh, one token is vicious, two tokens is vicious sundering, and three tokens is vicious sundering 
always highest attack die, always re-rolling attack dice. Um, I think on other factions, Battle Scars is just nice. Um, Greyjoys, it's kind of not all that amazing. Uh, there's no great units to put it in, in my opinion. Um, uh, was it Targaryens make decent use of it? But I think out of any faction that could really drive this ability home would be uh, Baratheons, especially if you take uh, Elden, who has the battle endurance, and you take Brienne. Now you can put Brienne in the unit, and then when you get that battle endurance, you put the battle endurance on other units. That way now you almost have like a, a, like a pseudo full battle endurance. What do you think? Uh, it's, a, it's an option. Um, unfortunately, Battle Scars for me is another one that you don't really see anyone want to pay points for. If it comes on a commander, it actually is nice, but paying points is iffy because your opponent could just ignore the unit. Uh, it's why I wouldn't put them in Rose Knights, even though you go, well, if I get attacked, well, your opponent's already looking to ignore your Rose Knights, so adding another reason to ignore it is not going to, to help them. Uh, I think you could try her in Pikemen. You're only a six-point unit. You're adding abilities as they attack you, and they the Pikemen are squishy enough that I think your opponent thinks they could at least hurt them, and that'll start adding abilities to them. Uh, I do want to question, though, why Brienne has battle scars when, as far as I know, up to this point in the lore, she would never have been in a battle yet. Um I also thought that she <laughs> yeah. would be. I also thought she would be a really good opportunity to finally add martial training to Baratheons because it would be stuck on a single model that you can only have one of, and you still had to pay points for it. But you could put them in anything then. Um, I thought that was an opportunity. They obviously didn't. The the devs didn't go with it, but I still think she could be fun in stuff like Pikeman, Thornwalk. And if you wanted to go like bloody mum or skirmishers, they'd be like, okay, I'm minus one to hit. I have counter strike. I can put out weakens. If you do attack me, I have now keywords to attack you back. It, it could be fun. I don't see it being competitive. Yep. Uh, even um, even uh, Mercs, um, you know, for free, put her in there. Um, you know. Granted, you know, a 4-up save with the 7-up morale isn't all that defensive, so taking some hits for them is not going to be the best, but... Um, the, reason, the reason why I left Mercs out is because I've tried it with Felawas attachment and Targaryens, and it's just, it doesn't do anything even when they do attack you and you get the abilities because you're just not hurting anything. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Um, that and, like, you know, by the time you would get the third token, unless you're investing all your healing into that unit, you're probably dead, like, or almost dead. So having all those cool abilities while only having four attack, oh, I guess you would get highest attack die, which is nice, but still, um, you're only hitting on fours. You would have to use, like, uh, um, hours of the fury to let them hit on uh, threes. But, but, yeah, I think, like you said, I think it's a neat ability. Um, it definitely could be pretty cool to just play around with, uh, especially in, you know, I think, like I mentioned before, Baratheons have the best chance of making this ability have a little more mileage than most other factions, or uh, I would say arguably any other faction. So we'll see. Um, I'm, 
I don't get to play Brathians that often, but uh, I definitely am a, a little excited to try this one out on some units, um, even though I'm more of like a Stannis guy. But, uh, but yeah, um, next up we have, uh, let's see, cards all mixed up again. Um, next up we'll talk about Loris Tyrell, uh, the Lord Commander of the Rainbow Guard. He is one point as well. He gives Deadly Bloom. Each time this unit restores wounds, target one enemy it is engaged with, they suffer one wound. This is the, correct me if I'm wrong, the ability that the Rose Knights have. Because I sometimes they get do the it. names mixed up. But what was that? They do indeed. That is the, is the exact same name and ability as what the Rose Knights have. Yep. So you can make your own I Rose Knights with him now. <laughs> yep. I always forget which ability they took away. Like the name, Deadly Bloom, or they took away... Dauntless? They took away Dauntless, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, uh, I'll let you take this one away. What uh, What are your thoughts on, on Loris here? So this was the other one that I thought actually could see some play. Uh, in my opinion, the obvious one is to put him in Pikeman because then you are literally making mini Rose Knights uh, for six points. Uh, you have a unit that can heal when it attacks because it has Perseverance and Valor as well. Uh, and then it'll heal and deal damage. Uh, I think he will work really well if you're going to play Crane, who we already talked about with Rally Cry. And I think this combo of those two plus a Renly Charismatic Air, who has two healing cards that he adds to the deck on top of uh, Brassian Justice. No, not Justice, uh, Brassian Tradition. You'll have three healing cards in the deck. You could have Marjorie. Like, you could just be healing so much that you're just wounding them nonstop, no matter what this is in. Um, and yep. you could keep it cheap. Like, this is one where you could go, okay, I'm going to put him in Marjorie just to be cheap. And I just have so much healing in the overall list building that I can just throw this at something and it doesn't matter. I'm going to take some wounds and heal it right back. Uh, it, it, he could be interesting. I think he could definitely be like a cornerstone to build a healing list like I was just describing. Uh, I don't know how competitive it would be, but I definitely am interested to see how much fun it could be. <laughs> cool. Anytime you hit me, I'm going to heal it back and just wound you back. Yeah, I think uh, him and in the pike are in the uh, uh, yeah, the pikeman could be very um, you know, deceiving. Uh, especially if they think they're going to go in and just, like, obliterate the unit. But I think people for kind of underestimate how survivable they are. They look at the lightly armored-looking pikemen, and they just assume, okay, they're going to be kind of flimsy. But, I mean, that four-up, six-up is uh, pretty survivable, especially if you've been playing against a lot of... Uh... Oh, they have a seven? They're more seven. They're more elves seven. Oh, Okay. But still, that four-up save is still something because I think a lot of people, especially if your group, uh, you've been playing against a lot of Martells, you know, their pikemen are a, uh, a five-up save. Um, so I think, you know, I often, uh, it's not until, like, I attack them for the first time that I'm like, oh, yeah, four-up save. Um, but, uh, and then just the fact that you have to eliminate eight of their wounds to lessen their, their uh offensiveness, you know, because they're going to go 7-7-4, seven, seven, um, you know, that gives them the ability to constantly heal up, deadly bloom, and then now uh, potentially 
um, your opponent is stuck in with this unit that they thought they were going to kind of blow through. Uh, but also keep in mind, auto wounds is always super strong. Um, this gives you the ability to make your guys uh, scary for anything that's scared of auto wounds. Uh, solos like giants, uh, wolves, uh, the mountain that rides. Um, what else? Uh, I guess dragons, dragons. but I think, uh, I think, you know, with eight wounds, I think it's when you get high up, like eight wounds, that it's not as scary. I mean, it could be. Like, if somehow you're, like, stuck in combat that long, but uh, eight wounds, generally, um, the dragon, I think, is going to kill you before the deadly bloom might make a difference, but it could, um, especially if you got the charge off first on the dragon somehow, got all those hits in, and then the dragon's like, okay, do I even attack? Because if I only have, like, a couple wounds left, but, you know, but still, auto wounds always good. Um, I I agree with pretty much everything you've said. I'm excited for this attachment as well. You know, because before you're kind of just looking at the Rose Knights that no one ever wanted to attack and isn't amazing at offense. You know, they're not bad e either. They just don't have a keyword. Um, but being able to just kind of throw Loris in whatever unit you need to put him in, I think is where where he's going to shine, especially for only one point. All right. Next up, we have uh, Emin Koi. Uh, he is the yellow. Uh, he is one point. He gives Vengeance of the Crown. After this unit is attacked with a melee attack, if you control the crown, the attacker suffers one wound plus one wound for each of this unit's destroyed ranks. Um, so you could be suffering uh, one, two, or three wounds. Um, I believe uh, Boris Blount has this ability uh, for Lannisters. And I think it's a great ability. Um, the problem is it's mostly great on paper. Um, cause, and I say that because, uh, I would argue that it's a little better in Lannisters just because Lannisters, um, have, uh, usually want the crown just a little bit more than Baratheons do, not by much, but they also have Joffrey to kind of help ensure that crown that you never, I never see anyone take, uh, Boris Blount ever, even though on paper, I think he's awesome. One point especially in Lannisters that can guarantee the crown. So, I don't know. Um, I'm still excited to kind of try them out. You know, a whole new faction with this ability, it opens up a lot of uh, a lot of doors. What do you think? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, in my understanding of the game, has been adding offensive punch to a unit often does, or feels like it's doing more than a defensive one. Uh, and this is the case with the defensive ability that you're adding to a unit. Uh, I am interested to try Hitman like Bastard Girls, just because they're flimsy anyway. So it's like, do you? yeah, you can hurt me, but if I have the crown, I'm hurting you back for more than, you know, for, for probably two wounds every time you attack, because I'm likely going to have lost a rank by now. Uh, it does make them eight points, but, I, I mean, you see people go... Dario in Bastard Girls just to add all that offense. And I can understand that, but also going, do you want to attack my Bastard Girls, I think is a is a relevant thing, because if Bastard Girls can stick around later and later in the game, they're going to pay even more and more dividends, you know, help help you 
succeed a lot more because they're one of those units that can blow up another unit at, at a whim. If you roll hot, do you even want to attack them could be interesting, which is where I think I'm going to try this guy. Uh, you still could do all the other ones, pikemen, skirmishers. Uh, you could throw them in mercs just to be cheap and be like, hey, here's a five-point unit. Do you ever want to attack me? Uh, it doesn't have enough offensive punch, but it could be a unit of, I'm going to sit on an objective and go, do you ever want to try and come and take this from me? Because you're going to take damage in return. Uh, I don't think he's competitive. I think he's, again, another one where you go, he's interesting. I have ideas to, of what I want to do with him. But I don't think they're going to be competitively useful. Yeah, I think uh, you definitely, I almost say you, you're definitely not going to see him competitively, but I will say the one advantage that he does have over the Lannisters is the uh, combination that you can do with uh, uh, Final Strike, especially if you, like you're saying, you run Bastard Skrulls and you run Peter uh, NCU, and you go, okay, start of the round, I'm going to... Uh, you know, Count is controlling the crown. All right, I'm going to activate, let's say even if, whether or not you go first. If they attack you and take out like eight guys, they're, I mean, they're going to take eight saves at minus one, or, is, you know, eight hits, so eight saves at minus one. And then this is after this unit is attacked with a melee. So you now count as having two destroyed ranks. This is this doesn't count the unit at the start of the attack. Um, so you are then going to do three auto wounds plus eight hits at minus one. Uh, I think there definitely is some argument for some cool combos that can really turn the tide uh, of the if you time things right. Um, but I think to ensure that the combo goes off, because it's a big risk if you're going to kind of throw, assuming you're going to throw your Bastard Girls out there like that, you're really going to have to run Peter, in my opinion, just to like ensure that one round that you need it, you have the crown, and so that you also don't lose uh, momentum if you have to like claim the crown. Um, and that's even if you go first, because if they go first and they do it, then obviously you don't even have time to take the crown. But... Um, so, yeah, I think there's some cool play that can happen with him. Um, let's see. Uh, something else that might be good is even him in, uh, let's say, if you want a cheap version of it, like you were mentioning, kind of like a cheap uh, pikeman, or sorry, a cheap rose knight, you put him in the pikeman uh, and do that same combo. Granted, the pikemen do have a forb save, so it's the chances that they just, like, obliterate through eight guys isn't that hard, but it's definitely not, like, Bastard's Girls level, I think. Um, then again, uh, a 7-up morale opposed to a 5-up morale. Uh, I'd say they're actually, now that I'm talk speaking, or talking it through, they're about as defensive as each other, just because the, the Spikeman could be taking, like, another three wounds from a failed panic that would make up for all the armor saves that they pass over the Bastard's Girls. But, yeah, I think... Um, if you can combo, like, Final Strike with this guy, uh, that could be game-changing, um, especially uh, um, against, again, like, a, a solo. Like, these auto-wounds, do not take them for granted. Um, 
you know, like Mag the Mighty comes crashing into your unit, you know, and you go, okay, take three auto wounds and a final strike uh, for, you know, a ton of damage back. Um, will you kill Mag from that? Probably not. But, you know, that said, uh, I don't think there's an FAQ on this. But if you kill his unit, does it still trigger? I would assume yes. And the reason I say yes is because go down fighting triggers. Um, but then again, this trigger is after the unit is atta or attacked with a melee. Um, so the trigger is gone, I suppose, whereas uh, go down fighting's trigger is when the unit or when the row or the, you know, the rank is gone, which is before, you know, now that I mention it, yeah, it wouldn't work. If the unit dies, you don't get it. But yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just trying to talk through some cool combos because I think uh, give this guy like a good uh, you know good go because I think there's definitely some potential here. Um, make sure I didn't skip anyone because these cards are out of order. All right, next up we have Robar uh, Royce. He's the Red Knight. He is a two point attachment. He gives Furious Charge. Enemies successfully charged by this unit become vulnerable. And Reckless Strikes. This unit's melee attacks gain critical blow and precision. For each roll, die roll of a one, this unit suffers one wound. Uh, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I will never run this guy. And I know I always say I will always try something. The only reason I would never run this guy, I would just run Dario for one point. Because Furious Charge... Is not even. I wouldn't even consider Furious Charge half a point. And the reason I say that is because most units only charge once a game. Uh, some never charge, especially Baratheons. Baratheons are not necessarily a charging faction. Uh, so this vulnerable on a charge is it, it sh a Furious Charge should just be an icing on the cake. It should not be an ability that is considered, you know, in, you know, in the, the fullness of the cost of the card, really. That's just kind of my opinion on Furious Charge. And I say that because I can't tell you how many times I run things that just incidentally have Furious Charge. For example, uh, Sandor Kogane. I love Sandor. Even if he didn't have Furious Charge, I would take him for one point. Um, my favorite uh, commander in uh, Greyjoys that I run at almost every major event when I run Greyjoys, Victorian. He has Furious Charge. I just I have a lot of in, like uh, things that I take that just have it incidentally, and I just look at it as icing on the cake. But I've never purchased a Furious Charge when I'm factoring in like the cost for things. What do you think? You do you like this guy a bit more than I do? Uh, I've kind of been in the same boat where I'm just like, Furious Charge doesn't feel like it's worth a point, and they've clearly shown with Dario that Reckless Strikes are one point. Um, yep. I still think I'm no, going to try Especially as I'm a neutral. Yeah. I'm definitely going to try him, though. I think I'm going to try him in Pikeman, because I think it goes with their already charge effect. It goes, you can't give me the charge. Because if I get the charge, I'm doing extra hits. I'm doing a vulnerable. I now have rerolls for my precision and uh, my precision and critical blow. Like you can't give me the charge now. Is it overcosted? Yeah, I think it's overcosted. 
But I think it's the one combo where I could play him and be like, okay, this is fun. Is it good? No, he's, he's more points than he needs to be, but he's fun. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, I could also see, like, so I, I slightly take back the fact that I would never run him. If I ran him, it'd uh, a, a goofy list where I'm already running Dario one point, and I run him for two. And then now I just have two things in my army that have reckless strikes um, and just kind of go, like, all out with, like, keyword effects. Um, but, uh, yeah, me taking him over Dario, I don't know. I Like I said, I think I would have to already be running Dario before I would ever even consider running him for, f- like, fun. But what you said, I mean, makes sense. Um that vulnerable token could be something. I think in Baratheons, though, it's a little less important just because of how many tokens Baratheons throw out. Um, I a forget if I made the joke. Uh, they're what? They're reactionary, like Baratheon Justice, or like I have to pass a morale test and be engaged with Baratheon Conviction. And like a lot of ours is, other than Stag's Wit, and if we have Elden for Mark Target, a lot of ours is actually reactionary unless you're taking the mail to put up vulnerable. Which for me, when I take the mail, yeah. I'm usually actually beacons because I can put out vulnerables other ways. Yeah. Well, and Stag's Wit is also reactionary. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Uh, this would definitely give you more of a proactive uh, token play. Um, you know, but I, I forget if I made the joke on the la- on the Stannis Harrow box, but I just find it funny that Baratheons give out so many tokens that now I feel like they had to start giving themselves tokens with uh, <laughs> with their own tactics cards, just because they, you know, <laughs> I can't tell you how many games where Baratheons threw out so many tokens that it's like uh, everything already has all the tokens. <laughs> so, but yeah, we'll see. Um, this is definitely, I think, my least favorite attachment in the box. Um, but uh, definitely, you know, uh, you know, I could, I could see it if you're going to already run Dario. Uh, all right, next up, we have Guyard Morrigan. He is the Green Knight. He is a two-point attachment. And he gives Dauntless. Each time this unit passes a morale test, it restores one wound. And Counter-Strike. Each time this unit is attacked with a melee attack, for each miss, the attacker suffers one hit. Um, yeah, I don't, I'll let you start with this one, because I'm, I'm not so sure. So, unfortunately, Morgan's kind of in the same spot as Royce's, the last one we just did. He's got a one-point ability and then a half-point ability together to cost two points and the two abilities he has don't really work together like Royce does where you go vulnerable on the charge and keywords kind of does work together Counter-Strike and Dauntless kind of they, they don't work together they're both defensive-ish buffs and you can't put them in Wardens because they already have Counter-Strike uh, you don't really want to put them in Pikemen because they're bad morale so Dauntless is being wasted um He's another one where I just, I don't quite know where he was supposed to go. Uh, he's another one I've thought for Bastard Drills, but then you're a nine-point Bastard Drill unit, and you're adding nothing. Now, I feel like if you're adding a two-point attachment, it needs to have at least some offensive ad- addition 
to, if you're going to put him like, and I don't think you're going to see him at all unless someone is just doing like a fun meme list. Yeah, I my big thing with him is that Baratheons already have a lot of things that you don't want to attack. Um, and anything you put him in, you know, I feel like the only time he would be super good is if you're going to put him in something really offensive. Uh, so, like you were saying, Bastard Girls wouldn't be, uh, would be probably the best choice. But that doesn't make it a great choice. Because um, you need to find something, because if you put in something that's already defensive, you're just going to make that unit into a Rose Knight that your opponent's never going to want to attack. You know, they already don't want to attack Rose Knights, so putting them in Rose Knights is just a two-point investment into something that was already not going to be attacked. Um, and... You know, there's nothing offensive enough that he really wants to go in, um, other than, like I said, maybe Bastard Girls. But like you said, nine points, that's that's a big investment. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, because for Dauntless, if you really want to make, uh, make this two-point attachment worth it, Dauntless needs to go in a five morale or better unit. Because um, you really want to make sure Dauntless is triggering practically every time. Because as it is, uh, Counter-Strike and Dauntless, I don't really see those two abilities costing a total of two points. Um, it's like a one oh, and also, a half point. Renly can already get access to Dauntless with the Thornwatch Sentinel attachment for one point. And get Dauntless and Pathfinder for one point. If I wanted Dauntless in a unit, why wouldn't I do that? <laughs> The, the Counter-Strike is it's too dysfunctional with the Dauntless to work together. I, I just I don't quite know where the devs saw this attachment being used. Unless, you know, obviously they, they can see further than we can. Maybe there's a unit coming that they're like, okay, he'll work with that unit. But at the moment, I just don't see the unit that this was, that they thought that this would work in. Yeah, that's always a good point is that, you know, there's definitely things uh, in the works that we don't know that are coming down the, the pipeline um, that this might combo with, like, amazing. So uh, we'll, we'll have to kind of wait and see. At the moment, yeah, I, it's going to be hard to justify him, especially because you already have other outlets for Dauntless uh, and Counter-Strike being on you know, either Wardens or uh, Skirmishers. So, all right, next up, I believe that's it, actually, other than um, Renly, Commander. So, yeah, that is everyone, so we can get into the best part. Uh, that is, uh, well, we'll go over the unit because they're kind of... Uh, Almost one of the same, I think. Let me look at the back of his card, if I even have it. I'm going to laugh if I don't. I don't. Do you happen to know, does Renly have to be fielded in his King's card? He does in the Rainbow Guard. He has to be in it if you're taking the Rainbow Guard. 
But what I mean is, like, if you could run Renly Baratheon, King in the South, and just not purchase the Rainbow Guard if you wanted? You do not have to take the Rainbow Guard if you do not want to. Okay. All right. So, with that said... Um, same way. Joffrey doesn't have to take his King's Guard. The King's Guard are just actually good, so why wouldn't you? That's what I mean, though, is, yeah, for six points, like, it was never really much of a question for Joffrey. Um Unless maybe you're that worried that the two uh, two extra VPs was going to be given up too easily on an eight wound unit, but uh, um, yeah, so we'll go over the Rainbow Guard first. Uh, it is an eight point unit, a unique unit that uh, uh, can only be fielded in an army including Renly Baratheon, King in the South. He must be attached to this unit. Your army may not include Loras Tyrell. Your army may not include Brienne. Uh, and then obviously they didn't include all the other Kingsguard into that little uh, bit there because all the Kingsguard, or sorry, not Kingsguard, Rainbow Guard, because all the Rain- Rainbow Guard have it on their card that they can't be in if the Rainbow Guard are there. That's the same way that the uh, wording for uh, the Kingsguard is for um Joffrey. Anyways, this unit is very similar. I believe all the same stats as the King Guard, uh, King's Guard, a five move. They have a melee attack uh, hitting on twos, seven, seven, because they only have a uh, defense of three, a uh, morale of a five. Uh, Renly's Retune, uh, or Retinue. Uh, this unit has eight models, including Renly, eight wounds, and two ranks. Uh, they have the Preservation uh, and Valor. When this unit performs a melee attack before rolling a perseverance and valor. When this unit performs a melee attack before rolling attack dice, restore one wound. And rally point. Rally units in short range may use this unit's morale stat for all morale tests. Um, uh, I'm actually going to just go over Renly real quick because I feel like it's it's kind of all one package, and then we can kind of talk about all of it. Um, so, uh, Renly, uh, King in the South, after this, uh, he ca- uh, comes with Swift Strike. After this attack is completed, this unit may perform one retreat action. He has claims to the kingdom. Each time this unit is targeted by f- uh, friendly abilities or taxes cards, you count as controlling the crown and the letter for that effect. And uh, just loyalty Renly, obviously. His first card is Overconfidence. When an enemy ends a maneuver, march, or retreat action, target one friendly infantry unit in long range that can charge that enemy, it becomes vulnerable and performs one charge action on that enemy. If it, is success- if it successfully charges that enemy instead of performing a melee attack, that enemy suffers two hits for each remaining rank in this unit. This targets friendly Baratheon's unit and may reroll any charges since dice. Next is Knights of Summer. Start of a friendly turn. Target one friendly combat unit. That unit performs one morale test. For each zone you control among the crown and the letter, they gain plus one to that roll. On a success, each enemy they are engaged with performs one panic test. And last, uh, he has Lavish Encampment. When an enemy NCU claims a zone, after resolving that zone's effect, move that NCU to any empty zone. If you remove them from the crown or letter, your opponent may target one of your combat units and they become vulnerable. 
If you remove them from the combat or wealth zone, your opponent may target one of your combat units that uh, they become panicked and perform one panic test. And then lastly, they do have the Baratheon banners. It's the same as the Kingsguard. You know, it's the one-time abilities to gain the critical blow and thundering or the vicious and plus one uh, uh, wounds suffering panic tests or the panic and weaken or restoring two wounds and rerolling charge distance. Um, I'll let you kind of take this one away. The Rainbow Guard uh, at eight points, it's a tough sell. They feel on paper a little too expensive for what they're going to bring. Uh, it's it's really difficult to say because I go when you look at them and you go literally the only things that were swapped out between them and the King's Yard are their abilities. You swap out Counter Strike for First Guardians of Valor, and you swap out Iron Resolve for Rally Point. I think that's a, a fair and even trade. However, we are two Rainbow Guard are two points more expensive than the King's Guard. Now the King's Guard has the negative of Joffrey being plus two victory points. Is that worth two points of you know, of your battle, of your battle force. I don't think so. It's difficult to say until we actually try it out and see. Uh, this unit still, you know, you can go, well, it hits on twos with seven dice. It still doesn't have any offensive punch unless you're using your banner, though. Uh, you could say Ars of the Fury with it. But, I mean, now you're using one of your Ars of the Fury, and plus one to hit will do absolutely nothing to this unit unless there's a minus one to hit against them. Uh, so that's something. Friendly giving them the zones it always counts for, say, ours and Fury going, okay, I have all three. I have Thundering, I have Vicious, and I have the plus one to hit. If I'm fighting a unit that has a minus one to hit. Okay. Uh, some of your effects, like uh, Baratheon uh, Conviction, where you're like, okay, I heal two after passing your morale test, and then I will cause a token and a panic pass. Okay. Uh, Oath of Duty, when it's activated, to always be able to put out a token before you attack. Those are all pretty good things. But if I recall correctly, it will not work on things like Final Strike. Uh, it will not work on Baratheon Justice because it's not targeting you. Renly's effect says the uh, cards that are targeting your unit count as having all the zones. Final Strike isn't targeting you, it's targeting your opponent. Um, same with Baratheon Justice. It's your opponent that gets targeted, not you. So it's got some limits uh, to how it's working. It's not, it's not terrible. It's the point cost is what's pulling it down, but the ability is not. Uh, the rally point I like. The problem is a lot of our units are six morale, and the King, uh, Rainbow Guard are only a five morale. So you're basically sitting in emboldened, really, unless you're running like High Guard Quickman, who are seven. Now you're running down to a five things you can do with this unit. This unit is not, it, it's not a wasted unit. It, it is a unit you can play around with. You will, unfortunately, I think, not run readily with this unit. I'm uh, not, obviously, you have to run it with this unit, but I mean more along the lines of this unit, I don't think we'll see competitive play. It's too expensive for what it's bringing to the table. And Renly's cards all have one negative, which Joffrey does too, but Joffrey's cards are really powerful and they needed the negative to kind of balance them out. 
these cards don't feel that powerful having a negative. Uh, I like overconfidence. It is just like the Stannis card, the new Stannis card, where you get a out of combat charge or a uh, out of character Right, charge. down. Yeah, right, down. I was trying to remember what it was. Uh, that really prevents like your opponent from retreating, which is really good. Uh, it's something your opponent has to always keep in mind. Like if they try to do a sudden retreat on you or something, and you just go, "Nope." I'm going, you can try to get away, but I might catch you right back anyway. Uh, the damage is potentially six hits, which isn't bad, but it's not great. Because there's no keywords attached to it, and no panic test afterwards. However, I believe because it's not an attack, it does get around any auto-blocking effects, which is a minor positive. Um, this is a pretty poorly designed card, I think is how I'm going to put it. It's got very limited strategic uses. Uh, the one thing that I think most people can see, if you somehow just failed to kill a unit and it's down to one model, this might be worth it just to try and pop the last model off and, and kill the unit. Uh, the only other kind of, I, I mean, I guess to try and maybe lose ranks of a dangerous unit, if a unit like degrades from seven to five and they have one boon before they drop a rank, and you're like, okay, I already attacked. I didn't do as much damage as I wanted. They decide, they decide not to attack right away, and you just go, okay, let's just try to take a, a, a rank down. Um, I guess the other main idea I was thinking is if you fail in, in missions where the objective changes hands, at the end of the round, on your last friendly turn, trying to do this as a Hail Mary to make your opponent drop an objective could be useful. That's about all I can think of, though, is those three scenarios where that this card, the Knights of Summer, is useful. Uh, and even then, I feel like it's always a Hail Mary attempt. Not a, not a, you know, it's not likely to happen unless there's that bad of morale. Uh, and Renly doesn't have access to anyone outside of, I believe, uh, Randy as a two-point neutral attachment and has, like, uh, intimidating presence to try and bring your opponent chances of failing. So it's, it's just it's not that good of a card to me. Lavish Encampment, I think, is polarizing. You look at it and you say, wow, uh, I take, I'm getting punished pretty bad for doing, you know, uh, I, I believe it's false agenda for Tyrion to, to move an attachment as well, or to move an MPU. Um, you're getting punished actually pretty badly for doing something that's already a card in the game for Tyrion. Um, it, it's iffy, but I do see the value of going, say, if you need a specific zone, or if you have uh, an attachment like Bronze, where you're like, okay, I need the money this round, moving them off the money bank to, to make sure you get it could, could be uh, well worth it. I've also thought of taking Peter and double tapping. If you go first that round and go, okay, I'm going to take a zone. I'm going to do the free attack. If you take the free attack, I'm just going to move you off of it, and then I will do another free attack. Can get around for the, the two other zones, the crown and the mail. You can get around that with that with. It's also only a vulnerable. That, that feels... A vulnerable, I feel, most of the time only gives you and your opponent an additional one to two wounds, usually, on average. So you, you can usually shrug that off. Uh, the panic token and panic test when your opponent 
uh, when you remove your opponent from the money bag or the free attack, it can be a little more punishing. Again, if you happen to have it in your hand, Stag's Wit to get rid of the panic tokens or the panic token could really mitigate the uh, negative of it. Now, you are using two cards to do that, but there are tactical situations where I think that this card could win you a game by going, I'm going to double tap the, the sword this round, or, you know, double tap the, the healing, and you're just like, as long as I pass my panic test, I took nothing in return, no damage. Now, there was a chance of it, but if they, you're your rainbow guard for rally point, it should help offset it. Uh, I, I don't I don't think this I don't think this is a very good unit when you look at all the parts of it because his cards are just kind of okay. Friendly's cards. And the Rainbow Guard feel a little overcosted. That's kind of like a double whammy to the unit. I don't think it'll see competitive play. I think it will be interesting to play with myself and see if my if my on paper thoughts match how it actually plays out. I will be interested to see it. However, Renly, I think I could see me playing him outside of the Rainbow Guard. Thing with his Swiss Strike, specifically, being added to, say, Branty and Sentinel, to now be like, okay, the problem that I have with Sentinels is their Sentinel Order is almost never able to be used. Okay, I'll attack, retreat, and now my Sentinel Order is available, as long as my opponent can't recharge me right away. There, there's, there's some value I can get out of that. Stagnite. It'd be like, I'm going to attack, retreat, and now you got to deal with me. And I count as controlling my zones for when I do want to use my cards on them. Uh, I think they could also be useful, and I, I know we've said it for almost every attachment, in Pikemen, since Pikemen have a charge bonus. Do a, a melee attack, retreat, and then go, okay, if my opponent doesn't charge me, I will recharge them back in, and I'll get extra hits. There's some value I think you can get out of Renly outside of it. His cards were just kind of meh or situational at best, but they're not—they're not as bad as I, as I think people want to look at them and see. There is some tactical, you know, some tactical and strategic plays you can make with these these cards and with these abilities. And I, I'm interested to see how it plays out. I guess is going to be my final thoughts. Yeah, I pretty much agree with all of that. Um, you know, to kind of go back through it, because it was a lot. Um, I agree. At eight points, the Rainbow Guard, I mean, people have made, uh, like, posts and uh, asking, like, if at seven points, would you even run it? And, I mean, it really comes down to if we're talking casual, competitive, semi-competitive. Semi um, if you're talking about straight-up competitive, you would have to make this unit like six points, like if you're talking about competitive. But I mean, like I said, that's two t totally different topics. Because um, I could still see this point being run at eight casually, like definitely. I mean, it's hard to say anything is unplayable casually. Um, and sem I would almost put it at this: that uh, semi-competitive, it'd have to be like seven points. Competitive, it'd have to be like six points. Um, eight points, you're really just running it because it's cool. It's the Rainbow Guard. You're going to be able to run a cool-looking unit with all the attachments on one tray um, in all the different colored armors with the rainbow cloaks. Uh, so 
that's kind of where I stand with the Rainbow Guard. Uh, they do have the upside um, of having a, of their own generation of self-heal, even if it is only going to be one or two wounds around. Um, it is still something for, you know, that uh, uh, for an eight-wound uh, unit. Um, as far as Renly, um, yeah, I, I agree with the fact that, uh, you know, he has the ability to count as having both zones all the time, but uh, rarely is it going to matter. Um, you know, uh, a lot of the cards either don't target you or um, uh, abilities, you know, abilities and tactics cards. Like, there's almost nothing that it's really going to do other than giving you uh, one extra ability on um, uh, uh, what's that card called? Um, Ours is the Fury. Uh, and then, like you said, it would, you'd have to be attacking something that already has like a minus one for you to even need all the effects on the card. Um, whereas I feel like Jeffrey's three cards you know, have like big downsides, but when played on the King's Guard, those downsides are almost like non-existent. Um, making sides not a big deal if you're really going to be putting the King's Guard into the thick of it. Uh, whereas I feel like, I will say overconfidence does seem like it uh, fits um, uh Let's see. Was it overconfidence? Maybe not. Um, no. So that was the thing. With overconfidence, it's funny that, you know, it gives you Renly Baratheon's unit may reroll charge distance dice, but now you're playing overconfidence on a two-rank unit, only getting four hits like a cavalry would, uh, whereas if you play this on another unit that isn't Renly, you're actually getting potentially six hits. Um, also, um, vulnerabling yourself uh, on your valuable eight-point unit is not a smart move. I mean, uh, you could play this and then stags wit, but as uh, Turning Ground has um, mentioned, you know, you only have so many stag wits in the deck, and there's no way to get more stag wits that we know of. Um, uh, except for, does uh, Penrose still have that one card? Let you go get uh, uh, a card from your discard pile. Yeah, so if you really want to use surprise strategy on that, you could get four stag widths. But, um, but overall, though, I do like this card. Now, like you were saying, being able to recharge something, or even if you were, uh, you know, this can be any one of your units, even one that's activated. So you could, like, march up. Your opponent could then think, okay, well, they're activated. I'm going to march up. You then play overconfidence to get a free charge into that unit. And then let's say you then go first next round, and there's no way, like, it, the round ends that way. Like, it could even be, like, round one. I march up, you march up, and then I play this card, charge you, get some hits, and then start of the next round, take the free attack, uh, you know, and really just, you know, get one over uh, a potential end of your opponent. Uh, the Knights of Summer, yeah. 
don't mind me cutting in to just add to the overconfidence real quick. It also is yep. difficult because this is after your opponent does that action, the maneuver, march, or retreat. So if your opponent is only retreating, say, one inch, you don't even need red leaf reroll because you, you're going to auto-make it, and it's not doing attack. So you don't care if you just orderly anyway. It's, it's just yep. like, yep, I don't care if I just orderly as long as I remake it. So if you don't retreat far enough away where I can't auto-get back in, this card is just I'm back in. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I think um, the two less hits is not really necessarily worth the the reroll. I would just prefer two more hits than I would prefer a reroll, especially like you're saying, you're auto in and it didn't matter anyways. Um, now, uh, so nice of summer, uh, you know. I really don't know what the idea was behind this card. Uh, I don't want to, you know. There might be something uh, that we don't know of. I'll, I'll use that uh, that reasoning again. That might combo with this card really well. Um, maybe like a Renly Loyalty unit that somehow this card is going to be amazing. It just seems out of place. Like this card just doesn't seem to fit the faction or the Renly side faction. Like taking a panic test um, with no modifiers of any sort, even if you had the unit uh, was surrounded by like three units and then all uh, are engaged by three units and you got to somehow trigger three panic tests, unless they're like free folk with really bad morale. Um, I mean, this the potential of this card really doing almost anything is super slim. Uh, and not only that, but, you know, uh, there are a handful of things where you take a morale test on yourself could trigger something, but more often than not, that's more of a stan Stannis thing. Um, you're really going to have to make sure that you uh, put one or two things in your list that are going to want to pass a morale test. Uh, now this card could make bribery fall off, which is a little funny. Um, you know, not that we needed, like, a ton of ways to counter bribery, but, uh, you know, there are, the the cases where this will be useful is, is super slim. Um, I would say arguably the worst uh, commander card uh, in the game. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say it's the worst card in the game, but the worst commander card, especially for having to kind of pay a premium on the... the um, Rainbow Guard unit. And then the Lavish Encampment. Um, I'm kind of neutral about this card. Um, I think the ability to... I, maybe the reasoning why there's a downside to this card is because moving an NCU off of the zone is super strong. Uh, and the reason that potentially Tyrion has it uh, in such a, be a more, uh, better version is the fact that he's Tyrion you know, that kind of goes to, like, exactly his play style, whereas this is Renly. Like, I've never taken Renly to have, like, like I would never have, in my wildest dreams, thought that he would have an ability like this. Um, you know, but then again, I guess, like, in the lore of the books, like, he he was very uh, charismatic. You know, he, he was still part of uh, the small council. Um, uh, he was kind of in the... 
in the thick of it, um, and he knew a lot of people. Uh, that's kind of like how he was able to, you know, leave and then have so many supporters. So, I mean, in in a way, you can kind of justify this ability. But uh, so, but that's kind of why I see it as, you know, okay, it has the downsides because, well, he's not Tyrion. But with that said, it's, um, I don't know. It would have been it would have been better if it was like. Um, your opponent picks the or yeah your opponent picks the unit but you pick the token or something kind of a similar thing as Ramsey uh uh Snow's um ability or tactics card I forget what it's called but basically your opponent picks the uh um picks one of the two abilities uh but then you pick the units or something I'm actually curious. I'm gonna pull it up real quick. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I, I thought it might have been cooler if it was similar to that. Let's see, Ramsey Snow, um, Cruel Methods. Nope, not that one. Sadistic Games. So your opponent chooses one. You select the targets only after they choose. Target two, up to two enemy combat units, and they become panicked. Target one, engage enemy. It suffers two hit plus one hit for each remaining rank, and all House Bolton units engage with that unit. So, yeah, so your opponent chooses the effect, but you choose the units. So, um, so yeah, I guess it would be a reverse of what I said. Your opponent would get to pick the token, but you would get to pick which unit that token went on. That um, may sound useless, um, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, as is a vulnerable token, or you know, that's not a big deal. Like you were saying, it's it's not horrible, especially if you stack with it. Like again, you only have so many stack wits, but it still allows you to actively get stags wit out of your hand. I think that's something that people might undervalue because sometimes, as Baratheon player, you're kind of like sitting with that stags wit in your hand. You're like, okay, when would be the great best time to use this? Like, well. How many tokens are they going to throw at me? They well, they're not a faction that really has a lot of tokens. So, but I want to maximize, um, you know, with the effect of the letter. Well, okay, well, you know, so on and so forth. You know, the, it, having some cards that let you actively combo stags with is nice. It's not something that you are necessarily going to want to like hold, you know, stags wit for when you get one of these cards or vice versa. Um, it's just going to be like, okay, I have both in my hand. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and use both, you know, just get it out of my hand. Let's start, you know, throwing these tokens out. And then now, you know, I can draw some more cards, whether it be through uh, Elden or whatever the case may be. Uh, the panic token and a panic test, now that's a bit, uh, worse, but I, I can see why, um, and that being because, you know, the crown and the letter are the zones you want. We're trying to remove them off zones that you wouldn't necessarily want, I guess, would have the worst effect for your army. Uh, but then, also, the important thing to note about this card is um, uh, there's no negative if you move them off the horse, the uh, um, House of the Undying or the Water Gardens, um, which 
can be huge, uh, especially if, uh, I don't know, if you just need one of those zones or let's just, whatever the case may be. Um, or even, let's say they take one of, uh, one of those zones and this, because they didn't want to take the free attack yet, you can move them off of one of those zones, not get a negative, and move them onto the free attack, covering it up so that your opponent then can't try to outweigh you and use that free attack later. Um, you don't even, you know, because let's say the chances are you won't be able to get that the swords, uh, and they're gonna hold it over your head in case you try to charge, and then they um, uh, take it to attack back for free. Um, so yeah, like even just moving it to a zone that you don't want to have to deal with, like there's there's definitely a lot of play with this card. Um, the fact that it has a downside does seem a bit odd, but I don't know. This this card I will defend a little bit in the sense that I think there's a lot more play to it than people realize. Um, but I think that's everything. Um, with that said, I don't know. I think it's definitely not as bad as a lot of people think. Uh, I think this is there's a lot of abilities to this unit between the swift strike, the claim, the claims to the kingdom, the um, uh, the valor healing a wound, the rally point. Uh, there's a lot to it that you really kind of have to get it on the table, in my opinion, to really assess it to its fullest. I'm still willing to say, like, to bet and say that there's almost no way this unit is competitive at eight points especially not with that those card lineup or those taxes cards lineup but i still think it has potential i think um, i think if you can really find the right list to put it in capitalize on that rail point capitalize on the fact that you can attack heal one then uh retreat uh with the swift strike kind of moving back you know uh and so on uh i think there's there might be a lot of play there um and then like like you said, Spence, um, you know, even trying Runly in uh, a list without the Rainbow Guard, uh, I think could also be super, uh, you know, interesting with that Swift Strike in particular. Uh, the claims to the kingdom is still also, like you said, now you can start to get it, take advantage of the fact that uh, you'll be able to uh, take advantage of the plus one to hit on pretty much any other unit because obviously everything else hits on threes or fours um, so you're not having to worry about the fact that like, you have having a unit that already hits on twos so overall I would definitely rate this box way higher than I think most would but it's definitely not like amazing by no means so I would I would just say to anyone kind of on the fence about it, or even like, man, this is garbage, you, you don't know what you're talking about. Maybe so. Uh, but, you know, I'm always excited to get these hero boxes. I think uh, they just offer so much, you know, so much new stuff, especially for a Baratheon player. I know there's a lot of people that lean Stannis, lean Runly, but, I mean, to be fair, I'm sh I would wager to say that easily, you know, 90, 95% or even higher, you know, maybe even higher than that, of all Baratheon players play both sides. Like, they have everything. So, you know, there's no other faction that has nearly as much options as Baratheons do, 
even if there's only a handful of things you might like, like from each box, you know, it's still way more options. I know, like, granted, they are kind of like their own sub-factions, um, and you can't, like, mix and match with a lot of it, but it still doesn't change the fact that you you kind of have, like, two factions rolled into one. Uh, what are your final thoughts, Spence? Yeah, I would pretty much echo you. Uh, there's, there's some interesting things in here. I think it also depends heavily on what do you often play. Are you playing competitively, casually, semi-competitively? There's some interesting things in here. I don't think there's very much competitively for hardcore competitive, but I think there's plenty here to play with for casual and semi-competitive players. Uh, there, there's some fun things. I don't know if there's any like hidden potential things here. Maybe with Loris and uh, and uh, Crane for their abilities. We'll see. Uh, time will say, and uh, we don't know what else is coming out in the future. I agree. Well put. And uh, with that said, we can kind of wrap it up. You know, there wasn't a whole lot with this box, but somehow we still found a way to talk about it for nearly an hour and a half. <laughs> so, uh, you know, again, I would say to everyone, definitely still buy it. Definitely give it a try. Um, you know, sometimes it may feel like we give some things a little too much uh, leeway or Maybe the opposite, maybe a little too much criticism. Um, I like to try to give everything a fair shake uh, in the sense that, or a fair a fair shake and like a fair assessment um, and just be honest uh, with everyone listening. Um, you know, as Michael has said many occasions, um, you know, the amount of playtesting that they're able to do will always fail in comparison to the amount of playtesting that will happen and even just like the first week of something being released. Um, it, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, there's so many people in the community, I mean, like one week's worth and that you've already like blown away the amount of playtesting that's even possible uh, for the, the playtesters. Um, so, I have a lot of faith in uh, in Fabio and Michael and the playtesting group that, uh, you know, maybe there's some stuff out there. Like I said, there's a lot down the line. I mean, at one point, you know, or at a handful of times in other interviews, you know, they've mentioned that they have at any given point like two years worth of stuff that they're already working on, like two years down the road. So, you know, we're almost 2023. So they, you know, have stuff all the way to, like, the beginning of 2025, basically, you know, give or take. Um, so that's one thing to always keep in mind, that they definitely have a bigger picture of everything. Um, you know, and I kind of just take it as, you know, these are just options. I know some people are a lot more competitive, and they just look at this and they go, oh, this is crap. I'll... I'll I'll run like one attachment maybe. And I think, you know, that's a little sad in the sense that, you know, this game, I love competitive. Like I love going to big tournaments. I love competing, you know, running like some really uh, hardcore stuff, you know, hardcore like top tier stuff. But I mean, I have like the most fun 
when I'm just kind of playing semi-competitive. I'm playing a strong list with a mixture of things, you know, that do cool little combos. And I can kind of come away from that feeling accomplished that I was able to make something work that is not necessarily that great. Um, it, the, you know, just looking at something and just being like, oh, I'll never play that. I don't know. I, I just, I think it, it, it narrows your play, your, uh, your ability to really expand and uh, develop, even develop skills to a sense, you know, being able to play with so many different things, uh, especially things you find, might find that aren't good. I mean, sometimes until you've really given something a fair shake, you've never really been able to find the intricacies of the uh, abilities or the way they might interact with the community, um, the meta, we'll call it. Um, you know, some of these things that I'm even saying that, like, man, I, I could never take that just because that face value on paper just don't seem good, I think, uh, you know, it might have a, a place or a role or maybe something. Um, for example, uh, the Robur Royce, um, again, I would still stand by the fact that I would only run him if I'm already running Dario. But, um, I mean, precision is becoming very big. Uh, and I feel like it's it's so much more useful than it used to be, especially I'm playing Martells almost mainly, um, and there's a lot of access to precision. And, uh, you know, precision, you know, I can't tell you how many times it comes in handy to just poke through those wounds, especially on certain key things that uh, are very defensive. Uh, so... I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, I'm super excited. I can't wait to get these boxes. I'm hoping they're right around the corner. You know, the fact that other people already have them have started painting them. But, uh, you know, give it a shot and, uh, you know, let me know how it goes. Um, you can check check us out on Discord or uh, on Facebook. I'm always willing to chat and kind of, you know, uh, talk, you know, some tactics and whatnot. So, um with that said, we'll end it there. Uh, you know, I want to thank everyone for, uh, you know, uh, listening in. Um, and before, uh, I guess before we get going, uh, Spence, was there uh, any final thoughts or anything you wanted to add? No, I think that just all wraps it up. All right, sounds good. All right, thank you guys for listening in. Um, you know, you can check us out again on a bunch of different uh, uh, platforms. Uh, you can check us live. Um, you know, anyone that wants to call in uh, or, you know, there we have a call-in number or you can even uh, click the link and uh, join us from your computer. Super flexible and we'd love to have you guys on. You don't have to be some, like, well-known person or, con uh, you know, anyone is always welcome. Uh, you know, but with that said, again, thank you so much. This is the Small Council Radio and it is dismissed.
still here.